Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, what is going on with the National Maternity Hospital? One of the biggest talking points of COVID restrictions in recent months has been the continued restrictions on partners of pregnant women. One of the points often made by the hospitals who are keeping these restrictions in place is the lack of space that they have within their buildings, for example, cramped waiting rooms and packed labour wards. It's one of the reasons why the National Maternity Hospital wants to move from its current site at Hollis Street in Dublin too. The new hospital has been in the works for years, with St Vincent's in Dublin 4 chosen in late 2013 as the place for co-location. Eight years on though, not a piece of salt has been turned, but there has been plenty of controversy. You may have found it hard to keep up over those past eight years. It has been difficult, particularly as there are even disputes between medics about the best way forward. During this episode, we want to look back at when cracks first started emerging in the proposal and then bring us all up to speed about what's happening today. To do this, I'm joined by the Journal.ie reporter, Gronyne A. Thanks for being here again, Gronya. And I know this is a tough, complex one. There are no easy questions or answers, but I'll start you off with a basic one. Can you tell us who owns the National Maternity Hospital now and who controls its ethos? The National Maternity Hospital is a voluntary hospital, not owned by the state. That's part of the Ireland East Hospital Group. That's a conglomerate of 11 different hospitals and it's the largest hospital group. It's probably worth noting as well that the state don't own the land this hospital is built on either. And even though there is some sort of vague involvement of the Catholic Church from that stems from years ago, it's basically clinically led as far as the day-to-day runnings of the hospital go. What is that vague uh, Catholic representation? According to statute, the Catholic Archbishop of Dublin is the kind of head of the hospital. But that comes from, you know, years ago in Ireland, hospitals were very much involved and run by religious institutions because the state didn't do it. And the Thonishtown heads of government have acknowledged that repeatedly that religious institutions stepped in when the state wasn't involved. And there is that kind of history there, I suppose, is the best word for it. And that's why there's a lot of religious names in hospital names, because they were so heavily involved in looking after people uh, years ago. And why I mentioned this in my introduction as well, but why exactly is the hospital moving from Hollis Street? So basically, the building is so old, it just doesn't do the job anymore. Uh, Parts of the building are 200 years old, if not older, and it's been deemed unfit for purpose as a modern national maternity hospital, as it would be if it is that old. It's too small. The wards are unfit for purpose, for the capacity that they need. But also if they want specialist units, it's not the right building and it's not big enough to provide that. As well as that, the report that looked into the issue of a national maternity hospital recommended co-locating it with a a hospital that provided acute services or services for emergency situations. So that means that they can transfer patients from one uh, hospital that for kind of normal maternity services to more kind of acute needs very quickly. Yeah, I actually live right beside Hollis Street and you always see ambulances out there and it it always reminds me of why co-location would be a good idea. Um, I mentioned that it's going to be moving or the plan is for it to move to St. Vincent's out in Dublin 4. Why was that location chosen? 
It's 15 minutes away from where it is now. So if people have Hollis Street in their mind, you know, it's it's interesting. The National Maternity Hospital is synonymous with where it is, if we call it Hollis Street, as well as the National Maternity Hospital. So it's not that far away. Um, but as well as that, it has that access to acute services that we mentioned, which is kind of crucial. And then it, it's also next to that major road the n11 which makes it easy enough to access probably easier than where it is at the moment in the in the city uh, center and all the kind of uh services needed to build it there i mean originally the the cost was around 150 to 300 million that was back in 2013 and now it's stretched to 800 million with the with some suggestions that it's going to go even further than that so that's going to have echoes of the National Children's Hospital as well, where we've chosen a, a site and we've we've gone with it, but there are spiralling costs as a result of that to try and get this right. As we move through today's episode, we'll be talking about the Religious Sisters of Charity a lot. Can you explain who they are? They're a Catholic institute that were one of the 18 religious congregations investigated by the Ryan Commission over allegations that children were abused in, in residential institutions. So they were part of the 128 million indemnity agreement with the Irish state in 2002 and offered to contribute a further 5 million towards the redress costs incurred by the state. They were also involved with the institutions that one of the institutions that were involved in running the Magdalen Laundries. The Religious Sisters of Charity also confirmed to the journal that in that five million redress that they were giving to the state, that that has been paid in full now. And that was kind of a bone of contention the last time this controversy cropped up. But as it stands now, the Sisters of Charity are shareholders of the St. Vincent Hospital Group. But the nuns are not involved. Their representatives resigned from the board of that hospital group in 2017. That's a lot of the basics covered so people can follow this episode, but there's also a lot of years to catch up on here. As we mentioned, Vincent's was chosen as the location for the new hospital way back in 2013. So in a departure from normal, I'm going to take over and fill in some of those gaps because you actually need to go back even further for the genesis of this project. The idea of co-location can be traced back as far as 1998. And 10 years after that, in a 2008 independent report, KPMG recommended that maternity hospitals in Dublin should be located close to adult acute services, as Gorni was talking about there. The first formal announcement was made by James Riley in 2013. We'll be getting through a lot of health ministers in this bit. Cracks began to emerge almost immediately as discussions about governance and ownership quickly turned into what was described as a bitter feud between the National Maternity Hospital and St. Vincent's in the press. It kind of began in November 2014 when St. Vincent's told Hollis Street it could only join them if the hospital became a branch of its healthcare group, falling under its corporate and clinical control. In other words, a complete takeover. This surprised everyone at the National Maternity Hospital. But it wasn't just the question of there being a Catholic ethos at St. Vincent's, although that certainly came into it. As Gorney said, the Sisters of Charity are the principal shareholders in the St. Vincent's Hospital group. But the maternity hospital wanted to govern and run itself as it had been for decades. One prominent obstetrician explained it was patient safety at the centre of his objections, not corporate mechanics or Catholic ethos. He explained that the National Maternity Hospital are the ones with expertise in maternity care, not St. Vincent's, and therefore they should have control. For its part, Vincent said it could not operate a large healthcare campus at Ellen Park with what it describes as competing systems of clinical and corporate governance. 
Skip forward to May 2016, Leo Varadkar was health minister and he was telling both parties in the way he does just to get on with it. But by the end of that same month, Simon Harris had taken over at the Department of Health and he then appointed Kieran Mulvey to mediate an agreement between the parties. Really, is it an Irish row at all without a place set for Mulvey at the table? Remember, he was even there for the Garth Brooks versus Crow Park residence saga. Anyway, Mulvey's eventual solution required a new company and ownership structure. Under his agreement, which both parties signed up to, St. Vincent's Hospital Group would have corporate oversight of the hospital, but it would be operated by a new company. That company would be set up with four directors from St. Vincent's, four from the National Maternity Hospital and one nominated by the Minister for Health. The minister would also have a golden share aimed at protecting the public interest. That means he has certain powers like the constitution can't be changed without his permission. Planning permission for the construction of the by now 300 million euro maternity hospital on the Allen Park Hospital campus was eventually granted in August 2017. But problems remained. The row just wasn't about the two parties anymore. Campaigners across the country were balking at the idea of a maternity hospital being controlled in any way by a Catholic ethos. Remember, this was pre-repeal, which happened in the referendum in 2018. The most prominent campaigner against the plan at this stage in 2017 was former Hollis Street master Dr. Peter Boylan. He resigned his position from the board of the National Maternity Hospital in the wake of the Mulvey Agreement in April 2017. In an interview, he explained, and I quote, I can't remain a member of a board which is so blind to the consequences of its decision to transfer sole ownership of the hospital to the religious sisters of charity and so deaf to the concerns of the public which it serves, end quote. He also added, though, it's correct to say the nuns are not going to run the hospital, but that they would own the hospital, the company that runs it, and have what he described as undue representation on the board. And that's the crux of it, really. The complicated ownership structure is feared by campaigners because they believe it could just mask a Catholic ethos in a maternity hospital. That is, despite assurances from the group itself and clinicians working within St. Vincent's currently, that the religious ownership plays no role in the clinical workings of the staff and a Catholic ethos has never interfered with patient care. And we've also heard this from a lot of doctors more recently who just want the project to go ahead. So at this juncture, Grania, I need to bring you back in here and bring us back to 2021. Obviously, I was talking a lot about 2017 there. It's 2021 now. No hospital, no construction started. The rare rumbles on. So just to be really clear about the current stage of play, if this goes ahead as planned, what will the governance structure and lease agreement be for the National Maternity Hospital? So as part of the deal to operate uh, the hospital, the Religious Sisters of Charity are to lease the grounds that the maternity hospital would be built on to the Irish state for 99 years. And there's an ex- a 50 year extension to that. So 150 years of the Religious Sisters of Charity leasing the grounds to the Irish state. When you look at the board structure of the group that will be running the hospital, There's four members to the religious order and four members to the maternity hospital and one by the Minister of Health, as was mentioned before. There's a golden share given to the representative nominated by the Minister for Health. So that is hopefully also going to ally any fears that there will be some sort of kind of religious overtures to decisions being made at the at the maternity hospital that if there's any kind of concerns that the minister for health can use a kind of a stronger share at the board to make an ultimate decision a couple of people have raised concerns about the constitution of this saint vincent's holding group 
that the Religious Sisters of Charity created as an independent body to run the hospital to help people feel a bit more comfortable about the governance of the hospital. A couple of the core values of that constitution are human dignity and compassion, justice and quality. And under advocacy, they mentioned speaking for the voiceless which a couple of you know, activists that were very uh, vocal and strong in the Appeal the Eighth campaign have raised concerns about. But clinicians at the hospital, at the National Maternity Hospital, have been very vocal about how they won't stop being vocal, essentially, that they will, if there are any kind of religious interference, let's say, in clinical decisions being made, that they won't be shy about raising those concerns publicly or in, in kind of a professional uh, forum. Uh, I suppose it's telling when you look at Peter Boylan and Dr. Rona Mahoney, former masters of the maternity hospital, they were two very strong figures in the repeal the eighth campaign. And I suppose that continuous theme is one they raise where they say, we're not going to stay silent if religion becomes an issue. But some clinicians have said that part of the problem here is that the clinical governance structures in general aren't absolutely clear. And it needs to be clearer than it is in general, not just because of this issue, but just in general, but particularly, obviously, in this case, because the ownership structures are so opaque. And the Irish, from the Irish government's point of view, they want it to be clear as well because they're investing a lot of money, possibly up to a billion euro uh, at the end of the day. It could be as high as that in, into building this hospital. And they want to make sure that the public funds are being used uh, in the correct way. Can I just there to ask there when you talk about the um, board members from the St. Vincent's group, they won't be nuns. They'll be independent members. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, like when you think about the uh, how the St. Vincent Hospital group is run and the, those St. Vincent hospitals, it's not religious members you see uh, running those hospitals. And in fact, a couple of years ago, members from the St. Vincent um, Hospital group wrote a letter saying that they, similarly to the National Maternity Hospital, wouldn't stay silent if religion interfered with their work. You know, we've gone all the way back to 1998 in, in some parts of this episode. How was this thrust back into the spotlight again this month? Politics basically brought it back into the fore. The Tánaiste of Radcar told the doll on the 17th of June that there were problems with plans for the National Maternity Hospital in, in response to a very kind of general question about the National Maternity Hospital from Breed Smith. And this kicked off a whole debate about what was actually happening with the hospital because we hadn't heard from it for a while. Now, Varadkar was very clear that the governing constitution, the memorandum for the, the legal um, documents for the hospital all guarantee that the services currently available in the National Maternity Hospital will still be available in the new site. But he said there were some problems. Um, he said there are two things we're happy about owning the hospital and the guarantee that procedures legal in the state will be provided in the hospital. There is a difficulty about the ownership of the land it will be on. We are not happy with the lease proposal or the governance arrangements. We are working through those things at the moment. So he raised the government's concerns openly then, and that kicked off a debate about who should own the land, what are the governance structures. It kind of kept adding and snowballing after that the next day. Varadkar said, in an ideal world, the state should own hospitals like National Maternity Hospital. And that in itself raised questions about who does own it. Yeah, because as you said at the start, it's not currently owned by the state. It's a, it's a voluntary group. 
We have mentioned him a couple of times already, but Peter Boylan has been vocal on the issue as well. He's been writing for the journal on it. What has he been saying? Well, he uh, has been kind of at the forefront of the campaign to uh, remove religious influence from the National Maternity Hospital. His view is he's looking at the governance structures and he has made a decision that the clinical governance is not independent enough or is not clear enough to have ultimate confidence in it and that it will compromise its independence. Um, He resigned from the board of the maternity hospital over this very issue in 2017. So that is how strongly he feels about the issue. And his kind of passion for the topic has not waned since he wrote, as he said, for the journal recently, that he was able to make changes at Hollis Street in the 90s because there was no Catholic ethos in the Royal Charter, which governs the hospital, nor any of the bylaws. So that was his argument for why there shouldn't be any involvement. And his concerns are that if you build this hospital on Catholic owned land uh, and that provides abortions and IVF and gender reassignment surgery, as well as other procedures that are prohibited by the church's kind of health directives, you're going to run into problems. Now, on the other side, the St. Vincent's group have said that those procedures do happen currently at the Ellen Park campus. Exactly. And, you know, uh, another former master of the National Maternity Hospital, Dr. Rona Mahoney, uh, is of the opposite view. So it's, you know, I think it's, there's one thing we've learned from the pandemic is that scientific and healthcare views don't always agree. Uh, but this is a particularly complicated issue and is, is kind of best represented, I suppose, that the two former masters of the National Maternity Hospital, both vocal, both um, passionate advocates during the repeal the eighth referendum, don't really agree on what the best way forward here is. What are the clinicians on the opposite side of of the debate to Peter Boylan saying that those who believe it should go ahead as quickly as possible at St. Vincent's? So 42 uh, senior clinicians at the National Maternity Hospital wrote a letter in the Irish Times and kind of after weeks of this controversy rumbling on where they were concerned about the misinformation and misunderstanding about what was actually going to, to happen and what was involved in relocating the National Maternity Hospital. And they said that this new hospital relocated on a new site is going to be of of kind of a world-class standard and was going to make a huge difference to women and and babies being born in Ireland. They also said that they could not countenance any restriction or practice based on religion. Like to, to them in practice, it just didn't make sense to them. And the project wouldn't proceed without cast iron guarantees in place around how the hospital would be run. So their view in practice is that there is no way we won't be able to continue to do our jobs just because it's in a new location. Obviously, we could just go ahead on that site, but could we just build it on another site, Grania? No would have been the answer up until recently, but uh, the former Minister for Health and current Minister for Higher Education, Simon Harris, apparently suggested to Dr. Peter Boylan that Tala University Hospital could work as an alternative location as the state owns the land there. Uh, the Taunish to Leo Varadkar later told the Dáil that the government wasn't officially considering this, but it's worth mentioning that This work has already been done about other sites. Uh, You know, the KPMG report that looked at the maternity hospital and relocating it decided St. Vincent's would be the best alternative site. And that's why it was chosen. So I don't know if the pendulum swings to another hospital because of of the the, religious order owning the land that will be built on. 
The other proposed solution by some people is the government making a compulsory purchase order, a CPO, to buy the site so that they would own the land and build the hospital. Are there problems with that? Yeah, there are. Uh, A a lot of government TDs actually tweeted out that, you know, the the CPO order would would work, and this is usually used in kind of you know if you're if you want to build a bus route or or a train uh, line, and you might take a bit of someone's back garden to kind of build the land through it, you know, for the great public services for the greater good. I, the, the, I suppose there's a lot of legal issues and legal back and forths here, but it doesn't really make the case for it isn't robust enough. Is the general legal consensus uh, to, to warrant the government uh, unilaterally taking the land without um, entirely so that they can say there's no religious involvement here. But it, it, it was kind of, I think, uh, suggested as a, I suppose, uh, in response to backlash and anger about the Sisters of Charity not wanting to sell the land, which was the original suggestion, and they said they wouldn't. Uh, Compulsory purchase orders were were used. But I think a lot of legal correspondents and um, medical professionals have said that it's not really practical. And if people want to read more on the CPO issue, uh, we have Dr. Rachel Walsh uh, wrote for us in the journal about um, whether it is possible. She's a constitutional law expert, and it's interesting to get her take. Grania, thanks so much for coming in and explaining all that to us. This is obviously one that is going to rumble on we don't have very clear answers yet um so we might be back to it again on the explainer thank you thank you for listening to the explainer and a big thank you to Gronia for joining us today this episode of the explainer was brought to you by producers Aoife Barry and Nikki Ryan if you'd like to support the explainer there's a few things you can do head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to become a monthly subscriber But you can also leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's a really great way to make sure other people discover, listen and love it too. Thank you and catch you next time.